Well, good morning. A little different way to start a service this morning. Um, but what we just watched was someone, apparently for the first time, <clears throat> who was voluntarily willing to sacrifice their life for someone that they love. Which we watch that and we, there's something in us that loves that. But the truth is, um, when she volunteered to offer her life for her sister whom she loved, the truth is everybody else as well, right, got the benefit of her willingness to sacrifice. And, um, and you watch, and everybody's standing there, and they're all heads down, nervous, saying, please don't choose me. Please don't choose me. So let's change. Let's imagine this scene a little bit different. Let's imagine before the crazy lady <laughs> goes over to pull a name out of the bowl that somebody volunteers to offer themselves for everybody. Can you picture that? So everybody with their heads bowed down would have been like, what? Because <laughs> it wasn't just for her sister who she loved. If somebody would have offered themselves before the name was even taken, they would have been communicating something and what would they would have been saying? I love all of you. You matter? You matter. I'm giving up my life for you. So let's change it even more. Let's imagine that before she pulls a name out of that jar, she's standing up on the podium and all 400 people sitting out there raise their hand and they all go, choose me! Choose me. Can you guys imagine? Does that change the atmosphere just a little bit of what was going on in that movie? Instead of everybody with their head bowed down going, oh God, please not me. Instead of protecting themselves, what would happen if the whole crowd was saying, me? Me. And you're all looking at each other. I mean, the, the whole atmosphere, it's like the new thing to do. And so as we, as we go on that, you guys, and we, as we look at this, a completely different thought. 1 John 3.16 says this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. So, as we see this, let me just read the verse again. This is how we know what love is, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. So let me just ask a question. What would happen if we could get infused with the same love as Jesus? So here's Jesus, right? And he said, the world's got to learn. I love the Father, and I do exactly what he asked me to do. I, 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 I love him, and I totally offer myself to him, and I give up myself for everybody. The world, I love the world. So if we could get infused with that same spirit, what if, let's put it this way, what if we could actually be united with, made one, with the life of Christ so that his life actually becomes 
our life. Because he is the one who would step out right and go, he did. While the rest of the world is going, not me, he's the one who stood up and said, send me. I, I'm in. What would happen if that was our life? And not just my life, right? And not just your life individually. What if that was our life? What would happen if that was K2's existence? What would happen if we were the church? Because, right, what's the church? The Bible says it's the body of Christ. And if there were a thousand people at K2 the church who instead of going, oh man, please don't choose me. <laughs> instead of protecting ourselves, we were the first to go, here I am, send me. Like all of a sudden, you guys, everything would change. In fact, here's how Jesus put it. So we're, in the, we're starting a new series today, and we're calling it All for One, and we're talking about this idea of what does it actually be, mean to be united with Christ. So here's, here's the passage. It's John chapter 17, and it starts with verse 20. And here's a prayer that Jesus prayed. And he said, my prayer is not for them alone, meaning not just for the 12 disciples that he walked with. He goes, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. I says, how many of you in this room believe in him because of the message, okay? All right, so here's what's cool. Isn't that cool? Jesus actually prayed for us. He's already prayed for you. And what's he pray? Here, is, here it is. I pray that all of them, verse 21, that all of them may be one. Father, now listen to this. Just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. So here's Jesus' prayer. This is what he wants to see happen. Somehow he wants all of us to be brought into the very relationship of God. And then he goes, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one just as we are one. Now here, look at this, verse 23. I, here's Jesus' prayer, I in them. Jesus' whole desire is that he would be in us and you and me so that they may be brought to complete unity, then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So you guys, what, what Jesus is saying here, he goes, I have a prayer, God, and here's what the whole plan is Jesus is the one who always said yes to God, who offers himself to God perfectly, and who always thinks about other people more than himself. And his whole plan is that he would actually come and be inside of us so that we could be set free from sin so we would no longer be thinking about ourselves and protecting ourselves, but that every one of us could be a person who says, here I am, man, voluntarily, I'll do it. And that's what he wants. Can I ask you a question? Here we are. It's, it's the fall, right? It's 2014. I mean, you guys may not know this, but churches are just like schools. It's like the fall is always kind of the kickoff to the new ministry season. Can you picture for me what would happen in 2014, 2015 at K2 the church if every single one of us would be united with Christ? If his spirit lived inside of us. And instead of a group of people saying, don't choose me, we were filled with the spirit of Christ that says, choose me. Oh my goodness. You know what Jesus says? You will, you'll change the world. 
<laughs> you'd all be preaching. <laughs> there we go. So what we do, what we would all be doing is we'd all be loving. We would all be loving, and there would be such a uniqueness and such a difference that Jesus says even the world will take a look at us and go, how do you guys do that? Because that's not how the world operates. We want to protect ourselves. Jesus gives himself away. So, and here's what I want to tell you. I want, will that be the future of K2? Will that be the future? Will that be the type of church we are? And the answer is yes, if a couple things. If we really understand who we are, like really understand our reality. That's the first thing that has to happen. And then secondly, we've got to live out that reality. All right? So man, so let's pray. And here's what I want to pray, because the, the stuff I'm going to share with you today, this, it, it takes, it's a deep passage, and so it, it's definitely going to take the Spirit of God, the, the Holy Spirit is the one who opens the eyes of our hearts so we can even understand, <laughs> okay? So I'm going to pray and ask, and you too, just open up your heart and just ask God to open up your eyes so that you could see the beauty of what could happen if a group of people actually were filled, a whole crowd of people saying, man, this is what I live like. I give my life away for others. All right? So let's pray together. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this truth. Thank you for this hope. Thank you for what you're going to reveal to us this morning. And I just want to ask now, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, would you be gracious to us? Because this is hard to understand. We need your help to really grasp the depth of the reality of this truth. So I thank you that you're with us. I thank you that you can open up our eyes and my heart's prayer and my heart's desire is that you would help us to know what can happen if we are actually united with Christ. What could happen if our spirit was made one with yours and we could actually walk on this earth in the same way that you did? Jesus, give us that hope. I pray for it in your name. Amen. All right. So I, I had a guy, uh, first service, sitting down here, and uh, before the service, he goes, hey, I, here's my new journal. You know, he's like, man, these last three messages, I've taken so many notes, I had to get a new journal, and, and, uh, and I just told him, well, get ready, because here's another one, all right? There's a boatload of stuff. If you have a Bible, you guys, this is why you kind of need to bring your Bible on days like this, where you can write little notes inside of it, or you can grab your phone and do version, which is another way you can, you know, write notes in there. But um, take some stuff down, because this is some great truth. So we're in Romans chapter 6. And it's starting with verse 1. It's kind of a long passage, but as I read through it, just remember, what could happen if you and I were actually united with Christ? What, if, what would happen if there was a spiritual reality like that? Here we go. Verse 1. What should we say? Should we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Now, let me just real quickly say again what sin is, okay? Sin is anything that's outside of God's ways, but here's what sin does. Sin always is destructive to yourself. This is why God hates sin, because he loves you. <laughs> and sin is always either destructive to yourself or it's destructive to the people around you. It's what ruins your relationships. It, it's what brings anxiety and fear and bitterness and anger and every, all the stuff that's not of God is called sin. So this has always been funny to me because the passage starts off and it says, what should we say? Should we just go on destroying our lives? <laughs> So, be, be, so that grace may increase? And, and Paul goes, are you? No. Right? By, by, go ahead and go to the next verse. By no means, which means absolutely not. Isn't it crazy that as human beings, once we find out that it's not about trying to be good for God, that we're actually saved by grace, we're like, oh, you mean I can still screw up my life then? 
why, why do we want to do that? So he goes on, he goes, we are those, okay, here's what Christianity is, we are those who have died to sin, how can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. I love that verse. That is one of the most hopeful verses for me. I, anybody else want to live differently than you do? I mean, every human being, get, we get this picture, and here's God saying, you can live a new life. Verse five. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like this. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin. <laughs> Is that not good? See, now what's that, what's that saying? You no longer are a slave, which means you have to do stuff. Some of you right now, you just, I, I just want to uh, just mention this. If you're here and you're visiting today, or maybe you're, you're, you're just checking out what Christianity is, I just know for all of us, this world out there is kicking our tail. And there's so much stuff in there that's causing so much havoc in our relationships and in our own soul. And what's frustrating is we can't seem to beat it. And so I think sometimes we come to church because we're like, man, could there be something that could actually give me a power that's greater than the thing that's destroying me? And here he says that right there. Verse 7, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Verse 8, now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you can obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. Okay, did y'all get that? Yeah. <laughs> I'm serious, man. That is a passage. When, when you read that, you're kind of like, okay, so... In 15 minutes, you guys ready? We're going to unpack this puppy. So, number one, what do we need to understand if we're going to be able to live a life that's free? The first thing you got to understand is you're united with Christ. And he says you're baptized into Christ. You're buried with him. You're united with him in his death. United with him in his resurrection. You guys, this is one of the most spiritually profound, no, it is the most spiritually profound thing that has ever been introduced into our existence since the history of mankind. This is unbelievable. And that's why Jesus prayed. He goes, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they be in us. Jesus is saying that there can be a spiritual union 
with God. And this changes everything, you guys, when this happens. Colossians 1.27 says this, To them God has chosen to make known the glorious riches of this mystery. It's a mystery. It's something you can't even figure out. What's the mystery? It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, see what he's saying? And that means the hope of heaven, yes, is Christ in me, but it's also the hope of living a glorious life right now, of being set free from the things that are destructive and instead set free to do things that give life. The hope of glory is Christ in you. So when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, this is the message. And you guys, it's not, not when you try to be better. It's not when you go to church. It's not when you do religious things. The only thing that makes this spiritual transaction happen is by faith. You completely trust. You don't do a thing. You receive it as a gift. It's called grace. You are no longer under law. You're under grace. And the gift, what that is, is Christ is now inside of you. 1 Corinthians 6, 17 puts it this way. Whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. So I start off this day by, what would happen if all of a sudden a whole group of people were no longer protecting themselves, but were filled with a love? What would happen if Christ came in us? And this is exactly the plan. When you receive Christ, you're united with him. So what does this mean for us? Well, partly what it means is what's true for Jesus then is true for me because I'm united with him. And so it's kind of like, have you ever been in a situation where um, you go to an event, you know, and you're just kind of like the normal peon, normal guy, and, but you actually happen to have a relationship with somebody who has some clout? right? And they can kind of get you into the back scenes or in back. How many of you have ever had a situation like that where you know somebody and they get you where you can't go? So what happens is you walk up there and you're kind of nervous because you're like, can we really do this? Because I don't know, you know. And then the person just says what? It's okay, they're with me. And next thing you know, you have access. <laughs> it's kind of like trying to get into a gated community, right? <laughs> you know, you pull up to the gate and you're like, wow, look at that. I don't know. And then all you have to do, the guard comes out and all he asks for is what? A name. And you give him your name, Joe Schmo. And the gate opens and you're in. You guys, this is what it's like. You're united with Christ, and now everything that's true about Jesus, everything that he can do, everything that he is, you're united with him, and now you can experience it too. So you're united with him. So what does that mean? There's two things it says in this passage. Number one, you are united in Christ's death. What does that mean? You are united in Christ's death. It says you are baptized into Christ's death, buried with him into death, united with him in a death like his so, as soon as you put your faith in Christ, you're united with Christ. Well, when Christ was dying on the cross, what was he doing? So, so Christ is sitting there and he's saying that, here's the point, there's no sin in him whatsoever. But the Bible tells us that God is punishing actually our sin. When Christ, you are, so Christ is dying and he's paying the price of God's wrath towards sin. Because by the way, I just gotta tell you, God is going to judge your sin. Okay, if you only come to K2 one time. <laughs> okay, let me, guys, gotta make this good. He is going to judge your sin. And the truth is, you actually want him to. And you're going, no, I don't. But let me, just, let me put it this way. Maybe you don't want him to judge your sin, but you want him to judge everybody else's. <laughs> 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 so, and, and here's how I know that's true, right? 
Because how many of you are aware of the Ray Rice thing going on right now? Okay, let me ask, how many of you have seen the video? Okay, now, the uproar is the thought, the audacity that maybe Roger Goodell, as a commissioner of the NFL, saw Ray Rice cock his wife and lay her out in the elevator and did what? Nothing. And what's that causing America to do? Just go into an upheaval. They are so concerned. And I want to tell you, the same thing is true about God. If God was a God who was aware of the injustice and the pain and the suffering in this world and did nothing about it, he would be an unjust God. So I got to let you know this. He is going to punish your sin because he's just. And here's the good news of the gospel is what Jesus was doing on the cross was he had no sin in himself at all. So what the Bible says is he took everything you've ever done wrong and he put it on himself and God punished your sin in Christ when he was on the cross. Now that's cool because when I put my faith in Christ, I got identified with Christ and that means I'm baptized. What it's saying is I am now unified in Christ's death. That means when Christ was punished on the cross for my sin, everything I've ever been done is punished already and it's over. Is that not good news? See, so what that means is I'm free. I am totally free. And you need to understand, you guys, if you're ever going to be able to live in the freedom and the joy and the peace, you've got to know that all your sin is totally forgiven before God. And so what the Bible teaches us is don't you know the first thing that's going to help you to live in your freedom is you were united into Christ's death. That it doesn't just end there. It goes on and says this. The death that Christ died, he died to sin once for all. So what that means is Jesus never sinned at all. And so when he died, he died to sin forever. It's like it never had any control over him. And then it says this, we have died to sin. Now, how many of you go, really? Because it sure doesn't feel like it. <laughs> so what does it mean that we have died to sin? And then it says we can no longer live in it. So here's what I'm saying. The first thing is it doesn't mean this. It doesn't mean that sin doesn't have any power or influence us over us anymore, right? We talked about that last week. So in fact, Romans 7, the next chapter, Paul's writing, he says, why do I still sin? When I'm dead to sin. So what does it mean that we have died to sin? If I've been identified with Christ into his death for my sin, what does it mean? So here's what it is. It's not that it doesn't have power or that it can't mess with us, but it means you are no longer under the reign or the ruling power of sin. You are no longer under its reign. The verse said, your old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin is done away with. It's no longer ruled. And so you know what the old self is, you guys? The old self, it says that every human being is a slave to sin. And if you're a slave, what do you do? You have to say yes to your master. <laughs> your master tells you to do something, and you have to do it. And many, every single one of us, at some point, we are a slave to sin. In other words, we're a slave to our own desire, and we do what we want to do, and we don't do what God wants us to do. We can't even do what God wants us to do, and we can't do the thing. It's, it's just crazy. And when you receive Christ, it says that old self was crucified that the body ruled by sin is done away with. And that's why 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, if anyone is in Christ, 
The old, you are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. So, um, it says this also, you are no longer slaves to sin and sin shall no longer be your master. So let me explain it like this. It'd kind of be like if there was a country that was ruled by a wicked ruler and wicked forces. And then all of a sudden, a good kingdom came in, right? So good forces came in and a good ruler, and they completely overthrew the, the wicked king and his forces. And now there's a new king, there's a new ruler over the land, and he's really righteous and he's a great king. But what happens is, these wicked forces now, even though they don't rule anymore, they're still in the bushes. <laughs> and they're kind of like guerrilla warfare. And they still pop up and, and they still cause havoc and they still cause pain in your life even though they no longer rule. That is the picture of what's going on spiritually with us. And what Jesus Christ did is he, as we learned a few weeks ago, he's the champion. He's the new ruler. So when you receive Christ inside of you, you finally have a king and you're in his kingdom. It says, the Bible says that he rescued us from the dominion, from the rule of darkness, and he put us into the kingdom of the son he loves. So when you receive Christ, you now have a new power inside of you that actually reigns even though this other thing is trying to mess with you. So that's the first thing. And then it says this, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies so you obey its evil desires, but count yourselves dead to sin. Sin shall no longer be your master. Well, how do you count yourself dead to sin? A couple examples. One would be, let's say you're really struggling financially and you're just going out and then all of a sudden you're giving a trust and you have all this resource. Well, that resource is only helpful to you if you do what? Yeah, you gotta tap into it. You've gotta use it. You actually have to draw on it. And it's the same thing. So Ephesians, the first three chapters of Ephesians says, when you receive Christ into your life, you now have every spiritual blessing at your disposal. And the point is, we've got to learn to tap into it. Here's another example. In America's history, when there was slavery, and people were legitimate slaves, and the war ended, and what happened? It abolished slavery. It was no longer legally ruling force. But what happened to many of the slaves even after they were set free? They struggled to live in their freedom. And many have continued to kind of submit themselves to a structure that they were now free from. So this is what the Bible is talking about. You guys need to understand, we are totally different. This is who you are. If you've received Christ, you were baptized, you were made one with him in spirit into his death. That means he has completely forgiven all of your sin in his death. And he died to sin so that you are no longer a slave to it anymore. And I want to tell you, man, this is where spiritual battle is so huge the thing we've been talking about the last few weeks. Because the enemy still loves to say to you when you screw up and when you sin, see, you are condemned. He, you still, he'll still accuse you. Remember that? His name means accuser, and he's gonna continue to tell you that you're no good, and you need to be able to come back and say, no, I have been baptized into Christ, and I have been completely forgiven. The other thing that you, the, the enemy will do, he will constantly try to tell you that you're a loser and that you will never overcome your sin. 
you're going to always be addicted to this. You're never going to overcome this. You're always going to be bitter. You're always going to be angry. You're always going to be anxious. You're always going to be filled with fear. You're always going to be addicted to these things. And you need to come back and you say, no, I am no longer a slave to sin. And that's huge. This is where the battle lies. You and I are united with Christ. Now, here's the second thing. Not only in his death, but you are united into his life. You are united into Christ's life. When you're baptized into Christ, just as Christ was raised from the dead, you can live a new life. We will live with him. I love 1 Thessalonians 5.10 puts it this way. Jesus died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, which means whether we're living here or whether we're dead, you, whether we're awake or asleep, we may live together with him. And you guys, you need to know this. This is the hope of living this life on this earth is we get to live it together with him. You have been united with Christ. It is your reality. And so the same spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead, the Bible says is living inside of you so that you now have his life. Not only are you identified with his death, so, you is, so sin is no longer your master, you are united with his life, and he, it says he is alive to God. So, you guys, this is why the resurrection is so important. We do not serve a dead God. Jesus' resurrection shows us that he's still alive, and spiritually, he's living inside of anybody who will put their trust in him. And now, he lives to God, and he can give you the same power to do what is right. So let me just give you a couple applications here. The first one is, I just want to say, if, if any of you are in here, and, and this whole idea of Christ or Christianity, the spiritual, I know this is deep stuff, but I know this, whenever it's just spoken, God can make it make sense. And maybe some of you are sitting here today going, why can I never overcome my sin? And what the Bible says is, listen, you're going to be a slave to your sin until you receive the one who conquered sin until you receive the one who has all power over sin, until you are identified with Christ, and don't try to get better, don't try to be religious, just put your faith in him and trust him, and you will be identified with Christ, your sin will be forgiven, and he will come inside of you, and you'll have a new power. And for some of you today, it's simply that. It's you've got to put your faith in Christ and let him into your life, and he'll change you forever. Now, for the rest of us Christians... <laughs> How do we apply this? Because we're going, man, I'm a, that's what we talked about last week. But I'm a Christian, and I'm still battling this, right? So he goes on in Romans 6, and actually, if we could just jump to verse 13. Here's his application to us. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under law, but you are under grace. You're under grace. You guys, this is so cool. So what's he saying? So first of all, he says, don't offer any part of, your, any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness. You know what that word offer yourself means? It means to set yourself in front of. It means to kind of put yourself right next to something. <laughs> So what he's saying is, well, listen, now that you have been brought from death to life, you don't go, hey, sin, here I am. <laughs> Use me. Like, right, right? 
And you know what that word instrument means? It is, it, the, it's the word for weapon. It can be instrument, tool, or weapon. And so when you sit there and you go, hey, this is not a way of God, and I'm going to set myself next to it. Like we talked about last week, I'm going to flirt with that. Okay, here's sin. Go ahead and use me as a weapon for wickedness. See, this is why he says, you died to sin. How can you live in this anymore? Why would you ever want to say, here, sin, just keep just destroying my life. Hey, hey, sin, just keep coming in and let me do stuff that continues to ruin my relationships. No. Instead, he says, offer every part of yourself to God as an instrument, or I like this better, as a weapon of righteousness. So what does that mean? How do we apply this? All of us Christians in here, what you do is you have Christ inside of you now. And Jesus every time says, I'm in. Every time he says, choose me. Every time he says, God, whatever you want me to do, I do. So what do you do? You offer yourselves to God. You set yourself next to God. You put yourself in front of God and you say, here I am. Here I am. Use me as a weapon, as a tool, as an instrument of righteousness. And you guys, righteousness is just simply everything that's good. It's everything that's productive. It's everything that brings joy and justice and peace and freedom into the world. And that's why I sit here and I think, okay, so we're getting ready for this next year. We're getting ready to move into as a church. What would happen if all of us understood who we are? If all of us who've received Christ would no longer buy the lie that we can't do it, but instead we believe the truth. I have been united with Christ into his death to sin. So it no longer is a master me, and I've been united into his resurrection. Jesus is alive, and he's living in me. Let's learn how to do this. Let's offer ourselves to him, and let's watch God take a group of people. What would happen if a thousand people all of a sudden were filled with the Spirit of Christ that said, here I am. Here I am. Choose me. No longer, not me. Not me. No more self-protection absolute freedom. I want to tell you what, you know what Jesus said would happen? The whole world would look at us and go, how do you do that? How do you do that? Salt Lake City, I'm telling you guys, Salt Lake City will never be the same if K2, the church, becomes what we are. People who've received the love of God, living united with Christ. All right, let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for the hope that we have of a living hope that Christ is inside of us. Thank you for this truth, God, because there's no way we would ever understand this if your word wasn't given to us. There's no way any human being would go, hey, I, that we just wouldn't do that. So I thank you for your word that tells us, here's what's true. You put your faith in me and you become united with Christ. You put your faith with me, you get baptized with my spirit. And you are completely forgiven. You are set free from sin. And I live inside you to empower you to love. God, would you do that here at K2? And even as we celebrate communion, Jesus, as you told us, don't forget what's true. Here's what's true. I gave my life for you. I gave my life for you. I love you. Now take me inside of you. So my life of sacrificial, holy, giving love will overwhelm your heart so you can live the same way too. God, do that in us in Jesus' name, amen.